Welcome to the Delve Spirit and Truth Podcast, where we wrestle with questions from the pew. This is Casey. And this is Jenny. This week, we're going to continue to delve into prophecy. So this last week, we were talking about the biblical picture of the existence of the prophetic today, that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way in which he speaks to his prophets really hasn't changed other than the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit, in that there is so much that he still desires to do on this planet. And I can't remember exactly where, but in Amos, he tells us that he doesn't do anything on the earth until he tells his prophets first. I consider that scripture. And so I believe that he desires to continue to speak to his people, even more so now that he has saved us, redeemed us, and fulfilled the promise and the desire of his heart in making us his children. Right. Jesus says that his sheep will know his voice. And so how can we know his voice apart from him speaking to us? And nowhere do we see that he wants an end to that. In fact, there's a great argument that the Pharisees logically knew Jesus, but did not have any sort of emotional connection with him. And that's how they could know the word of God, but then turn and crucify the one true Messiah. And so... You know, we have to have more than a logical head knowledge about Jesus. And the hard thing is, is that here we're in America, we're part of a Western society. We have very much a Greek mindset. And Casey, what does that mean to have a Greek mindset? So when you look at our Western culture, our entire way of thinking is developed around Greco-Roman philosophy and the logical reason-based stoicism type mentality Uh, And also cultivated with our modern convention of materialism and humanism that has really just bred into this idea that everything is logical, scientifically fact-based. And therefore, when we look at the Lord and really evaluate scripture, it's from this cultural mindset of facts. We completely devalue all emotion in, in many instances, and that we just address the Lord as a a factual understanding as a logical conclusion, as a reasonable mental exercise. And the Lord is not just someone to be reasoned with. Yes, absolutely. He calls us to reason with him and he does not devalue reason, but he looks to us as so much more as a comprehensive creature made in his image. Last week, I got to listen to a speaker that had been all over the world, and she said something that really kind of caught me off guard. I didn't recognize this, but she said, you do realize that only in America do people argue over whether spiritual warfare is a thing or not. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating because in every place that I've ever traveled, it's just understood like, yeah, it's it's supernatural and supernatural is real, and it's only in the Western church that it is a point of contention. Right. I understood that like in South America and in Africa, that they knew that there was demons, that they knew that they were real. Right. But I didn't realize that other like European cultures and first world countries also have that understanding and that we're the only country that has invalidated a huge chunk of the Bible and made everything into mental illness, everything into superstition and nothing into spiritual warfare. And this idea and concept of spiritual warfare is very scriptural. We, we see much of that in the Lord, and you can go back and listen to our previous podcast on that. But what we are focusing here on is this idea of the prophetic is supernatural. And so just this same thing in which people can't address 
the reality of the demonic. They can't address the reality of God's power. And it's very interesting because I, I've run into a lot of cessationist Christians who give more credence and more uh, attention to the power of the devil than they will the power of the Lord. Right. Like they'll agree, like I'll have these thoughts in my mind where I'll be angry at someone and or I'll think this bad thought and they'll they'll acknowledge that that's the enemy. Yeah, it's very it's a very interesting concept of how we kind of have this cognitive dissonance of like, yeah, there's supernatural power to a degree, um, but not with the Lord. And it's, it's very odd. Right. Like they'll they'll even, you know, feel oppression and and, you know, give that significance to the enemy. And to a degree. And they'll say something's going off and they think that the devil is more active than the Lord is. But to go into the church realm and to talk about hearing from the Lord, talk about feeling and, and receiving things from him is very apropos. When we're looking at this uh, a picture of the prophetic, what I would like to say is, and really I've been trying to train myself to say, is that the Lord communicates. Very often um, we're going to say that we hear from God. But how many people actually hear an actual voice or actually have audible. an audible noise that they're going, yeah, I heard from the Lord. Now, that does happen. I'm not negating that. But the most common way in which the Lord is going to communicate is going to be straight to your mind or straight to your heart. Whenever I started learning about prophecy and learning about words of knowledge and things like that, I recognized, oh, that's happened to me. Oh, that's how I knew that thing. And the more that I was able to learn about it, the more I was able to recognize it. Yeah. So, for instance, there was a, last night even, there was an opportunity for us to go around and, and encourage one another and, if at all possible, see if the Lord was going to speak and bring any words of knowledge or words of wisdom or words of prophecy. And uh, one of the gentlemen in our uh, men's group prayed for a young man. He didn't even know this guy, didn't even know his name. Hadn't really met him maybe once before, but in this interaction, he said, hey, do you know this person? Like a person with this name? And he goes, <laughs> and he and his friends just kind of like stopped and looked at each other like, what? How do you know this guy? Now, remember, the gentleman who was prophesying, and I believe he was giving a word of knowledge, didn't know the guy from Adam and didn't even know any of his friends' names. And so to be able to give a specific name to a specific person with a specific instruction directly afterwards, like, hey, you need to be ready um, with understanding. You need to be ready with boldness to be able to share the truth because you're going to have opportunity that the Lord's going to open up because the Lord is preparing this 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 person's heart. And I'm going, okay, I got to stop everyone right now and get you all to understand this is a teaching moment. That was a word of knowledge. He doesn't know you. He doesn't even know your name. He's not going to know the person that he's referring to. And yet it had such an impactful resonance with these group of men that they're going, whoa, you shouldn't know that. And that is supernatural communication from the Lord. And what that does in that moment is that makes the people acknowledge God is real. He exists. He's intricately involved in our lives and that he wants to help us and he wants to encourage us. And so we see prophecy as something that's very beneficial, very helpful, you know, and as people are learning in the beginning stages how to hear from God and things like that, you know, we always teach that there should be a humility there of, I think this, 
I might hear that. We don't encourage people to be like, thus saith the Lord. Unless you know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I think that's He's telling you to do that. Yeah. If it's calling for that. But a lot of times when you're learning to discern his voice, it is always safe to go, I believe that the Lord is saying this to me for you. As I learned more about prophecy and the different ways that different people receive from the Lord, the more that it helped me understand myself and help me encourage other people. Mm. And so I'll give you an example. There are people that are more in tune with their feelings, their emotions, their bodily sensations. And that's what, you know, the charismatic community might call a feeler. And feelers can literally pick up on how someone else is feeling. Now, this has been hijacked, I feel like, by the secular world, and they call them like empaths or something. Yeah, yeah. And it drives me crazy whenever Christians are like, I'm an empath. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're a feeler. (laughs) And so it's funny that even like, you know, you'll have like cessationists that'll that'll claim being an empath, which is not Christian at all. It's demonic. And it's actually that they're a feeler. They just don't have the language for it because they've rejected that language within the church. And this is something to clarify. There's For us as believers, you need to understand that there is legitimate power in the demonic realm. They have dunamis just as much as we as Christians have dunamis in the sense that it is supernatural power, but it is limited. It is nowhere near the extravagant power of the creator God. And so there is, what we see with the devil is that he is a perverter, he is an imitator, um, he is not creative, and so what he does is that he hijacks true Christian expression of the Holy Spirit, and he contorts it with demonic power. And so this, what you're saying with like a Christian being a filler, here's the demonic response. It's an empath. Or if you say... Someone has a revelatory trance to where they're taken up into the third heaven, like John. You would have people who would say, oh, I had an out-of-body experience, which is called... Astral projection. Astral projection. And so you have this picture of a, a corruption of what God had intended to bring revelatory understanding and intimacy with him. The devil wants to, to pervert. Yeah, just because the devil takes a biblical truth and hijacks it and removes the Lord from it doesn't mean that that biblical truth is no longer true. Right, and and what we have to do as Christians is understand that, and, and this is where a lot of people get afraid of the prophetic, and I think more so than anything is because they're going, you could be, you could be deceived by the devil. And I'm going, it's going to be really hard to be deceived by the devil if you lay the groundwork of, the Bible is the inerrant, perfect word of God. That is my plumb line of truth, that I am confessing my sin before a holy and righteous God. I am pursuing holiness and righteousness, and I am pursuing God to say, I want everything that you have for me. He's not going to allow demonic deception to deter you from the truth when you are taking care of the heart, when you're cleansing yourself, when you're humbling yourself before the Lord, and you're trusting that he has your best interest at heart. It's going to be very hard for deception to take root. We even have a promise in the word of God that when we have a good father and we're asking him for a good gift, when we're going to him and asking Holy Spirit to empower us and to give these gifts in the spirit, that when we ask for a fish, we're not going to receive a serpent. When we ask for bread, we're not going to receive a stone that we don't need to fear. And so if, if you've listened to things that are like warnings and like 
driving you by fear mm-hmm. and logic, I would just encourage you to to study the scriptures and see that Christians are never to be driven by fear. Mm-hmm. And there's Amen. very little about logic in there, too. The verse that is quoted all the time is at the beginning of Isaiah, where it says that, Behold, O Israel, come and let us reason together. And you go, okay, wow, this is amazing. But then he goes into a, a metaphoric application that is very imaginative. And he talks about taking our sin, which is as scarlet, and making it as white as snow. And you go, wait, he just said, let's reason together. And then he used this extravagant picture of metaphor to describe himself. And you go, which is all right brain. <laughs> so you go, like, whoa. He takes reasoning and he sandwiches it directly with the imagination, with a a picture of not the tangible that is based in reality, right? How hard would it be to take scarlet and make it white as snow? That's very difficult. I don't care how much magic eraser you're applying. That's going to be difficult. So in our culture, people talk about karma and they say karma, 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 this and that. In the Bible, it's called the law of Sowing and reaping. I always want to say rowing and seeping. Rowing and seeping. <laughs> it's called the law of sowing and reaping. It's something that God has established and put in place. We have multiple verses about you're going to reap what you sow. The measure that you use is going to be measured back to you. And so God set this thing in the principle. universe. God set this principle in the universe that when we give mercy, we'll receive mercy. When we are generous, we receive back. Um, one of my favorite clients, she would always tell me, Jenny, you can't outgive God. And she was so generous. And she just lived by this principle of generosity, knowing that God was going to give back to her anything that she gave out to others. Mm, amen. And just because people have hijacked that and called it karma and rebranded it and taken Jesus out of it doesn't mean that the original principle there's still a spiritual truth behind it isn't still in play and that's the same thing with all true spiritual principles so we see a new age very spiritual community that is embracing spiritual principles and erasing God from it and then we see a church that instead of saying hey no that one is actually rooted in God and you took God out of it. Hmm. And here's the truth. Yeah, we're not contending for the true power. We're contending that that power doesn't even exist. Right. And so people are like, that doesn't, that's not even real. Yeah. As Christians, instead of saying, no, that's a false, pale imitation of the true power of God. One of my verses that really stood out to me was Ephesians 118, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. What does it mean to have the eyes of your heart enlightened? The heart would be, in my opinion, a reference to our right brain, the emotional center of us, the part where we feel and sense and perceive. And so having that enlightened would be having having that ignited, seeing visions, having understanding. A lot of times I feel like that the prophetic is sensing what's going on and then the prophetic person is applying the left brain linguistic language to what's already going on in the spirit Mm -hmm. there's been several times that maybe someone's struggling with depression and a feeler might feel that and sense maybe when they got near them they just felt overwhelmed with depression and they knew it wasn't them because there was no reason for them to all of a sudden feel depressed so they knew that it was this person that they just walked up to and so because they just walked up to him because they were trained in their spiritual senses as it says in the bible they were able to identify 
that they were encountering something in the spiritual realm. And then they were able to, with wisdom and training, know how to apply that, know how to approach the person and knowing God's will that he wants them healed and set free from that. And so that would look like me walking up to some someone, sensing this great oppression or overwhelm, and then just humbly maybe asking them, um, hey, are you really struggling with a spirit of heaviness or I might say overwhelming depression? Or you could even get a powerful suicidal thought if you like hug, hug someone or touch someone and they might be battling that. And so just asking them about it and then just telling them the truth that the reason why the Lord highlighted that, the reason why the Lord brought that to the attention, because it's not the person doesn't want that to be known, is because the Lord wants to intervene. He mm-hmm. wants to heal. He wants to deliver. And we've seen many people set free supernaturally. Yeah. He is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And he wants to reveal that to get our heart in line with truth. And in that moment, when somebody knows something that there's no way that they could know, it makes the person more aware of God's realness, more aware of God's goodness and his love for them. Mm-hmm. Because what ends up happening is we we get lost and distracted in the chaos of the heart because the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so when you have the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, God, Holy Spirit wants to reveal truth so that the heart can be set free, so that the heart can have its senses exercised to discern between good and evil. So let's keep talking about feelers for a minute. Feelers usually really sense how the Lord is moving in a room. They're the ones that can really tell his presence. They can really tell, even if he's moving in one way or another, you know, if he's moving in a way that would be for healing or if he's moving in a way that, you know, the more that they have their spiritual senses trained, the more that they're going to be able to identify exactly how he's wanting to move in that moment. They also are usually the ones that pick up on other people's feelings. And so I have a friend that's very much a feeler, always has been. And the thing with feelers is that they think that they're broken or flawed because they're too emotional. And so a lot of them reject that part of themselves, feel very condemned by that part of themselves. And that's all an attack of the enemy. It's an attack of the enemy, but it's also an attack of the culture. Our culture has dictated that emotions are bad. I mean, most men growing up are rub dirt on it, quit crying, quit yeah, blubbering. Especially men. You need to get your act together. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. So emotions have been looked at for a very long time as a bad thing. But don't get me wrong. We shouldn't allow emotions to dictate and direct us. But we should look and see that our heart is a good servant when it is yielded to the spirit. And there's some practical things you can ask yourself. I'm feeling really anxious right now all of a sudden. Did something just happen that's making me feel anxious? Did someone just walk in that I maybe struggle with? Or did I just have a thought or a memory of some conflict in my life? Mm -hmm. Or was there no reason why all of a sudden this happened? And what in the room just changed? Right. Another thing is that some people receive from the Lord visually and they're, The Bible, the Old Testament makes a distinction between prophets and seers, but seers or prophets, primarily the mode which with they receive from the Lord was through seeing. And that would either be with their eyes open in an open vision, with their eyes, you know, just like normal, trance. like a trance, right? Also in the eyes of their heart, which would be their mind, like seeing, remembering, like if I said right now, imagine sitting in your living room. In your mind, you can see your living room. And so that's your 
imagination, that's your mind. God can totally speak mm-hmm. to us in any way he wants, including in our vision of our mind. Right. And also in dreams. Well, he, he tells us in Numbers chapter 12 that when he's dealing with Moses, and I talked about this last podcast, is that the Lord is going to speak to his prophets through dreams and through visions. And so he's going to speak to us through dreams and through visions, which are visual in nature. And so a lot of the way in which the oracles of God, which are the words of God, are to be revealed, are going to be revealed visually. And we see that historically in the Old Testament, and we also see that as a prophetic outpouring of the Spirit. In Joel chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, your young men will dream dreams, your old men will see visions, and that he will pour out his Spirit upon all of his children. And so the prophetic nature in which was localized to just the prophets of old has now been expounded to all of those who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them so that we can all communicate with God. And that, I think that is a, a a strong picture of the fact that the prophetic is alive today because the Spirit of God is in, in us because we believe in him. So if you go and you actually study all of the visions and dreams in the Bible, which I have, then you will realize that a huge chunk of them are symbolic that mm-hmm. many times God speaks to people symbolically. There are sometimes a very small fraction of times that God literally speaks to people in visions or in dreams, but many times he uses symbols. Yes. That picture is dark sayings, as we see translated in the Old Testament, which is basically riddles. So when we're looking at examples, you have Joseph who has this dream of the sun and the moon bowing down and the stars bowing down, and that was coupled with another dream of these other sheaves of wheat bowing down to this other wheat. And the father interpreted the dream saying, hey, are we all going to bow down, me and your mother going to bow down to you, or your brothers going to bow down to you? And it was all symbolic in picture. It wasn't literally people. It was representative of imagery. And so there are times when we are getting symbolisms. And the thing is, is that God is going to speak to us in symbols that have meaning to us and symbols that we have the ability to understand. And this is the same picture of parables. Parables are natural explanations to relate a spiritual truth. And so the spiritual truths that are being applied were in that dream, hey, yeah, my family's going to bow down to me one day. But you could take that interpretation a lot of different ways. Is this pride? Is this arrogance? What is this talking about? No, it's a prophetic image of what's going to transpire years from now. So like nowadays, we might have symbols that weren't in the Bible, right? So if we see an elevator, an escalator, we know for us that that means an up or down movement. Yep. Planes, trains, and automobiles. God speaks to us in symbols that we have the ability to understand. God can also speak literally. Did you realize that Solomon, whenever he asked God for a listening ear, that's what he literally asked for, and God interpreted that as wisdom, that that whole thing happened in a dream? Go look it up. Go read it. That was fascinating to me. It says two or three times in the text right there that it was a dream. It was a dream. It was a dream. And then he woke up. And so that was a dialogue between him and God. It was a literal visual dream that he had and interaction. And it wasn't symbolic. So God can also speak literally to us. So we have seers and feelers. We also have hearers. And hearers, their primary modality. And you can be any of these things. You can operate in all of them. Or you can have one way that you have a primary Mm. that you receive from him. So, yeah, that's the Lord can speak to all believers in any manner 
and communicate to in all believers in any manner that he sees fit. But there are those who have a propensity, like they have a more apt understanding of this is how God communicates to me. And so, like, a great example is I'm predominantly a seer. Like, I, I see a lot of images in my mind of how God communicates to me and relates information to me, and a lot of times it's symbolic. Right, and I'm just like a little bit of each. I don't feel like that I have a primary modality, but they, I have examples of all the different ways that you can receive from God that I operate a little bit in. And so hearers would be the ones that would, one of the funnest ones that a lot of people don't recognize is whenever you wake up and you have a song in your head or you're in a situation and a song starts playing in your head, God can totally, Holy Spirit can remind you of what he's trying to communicate to you through song. And many times our more musical people receive from God that way because they know the lyrics, they know what that song means. And so they know what God's trying to say in that moment. Sometimes it, people really hear the scriptures. They've got a lot of scripture embedded in their heart. And so what they hear, what comes to mind almost constantly is scripture, scripture, scripture. And, you know, I've worked with someone before and I would ask her a question. She would hear a scripture. She would state the scripture and then she would respond to the scripture like, oh, yeah, that is in there. And mm -hmm. so you knew the scripture was from God because you would hear her responding to it in such a way that she knew it didn't come from her. A great picture of what it looks like for me is that I see pictures in my mind and I'm going, Lord, what does this mean? And then I'll hear a word, basically. A word will pop into my mind. It's not necessarily audible, but then that will give me the interpretation. So the Lord will give me visual cues of what he's trying to say and then almost instantly or there's some back and forth questioning that i'll do with the lord um he will relate a word to me and i'm going oh, okay that makes perfect sense and for me like when i'm going and, and i guess it is a mixture of a lot of things because if i don't have the word clearly right then i personally and i'm just giving my example uh that i'll have the vision or the picture in my mind and then i will either get an immediate word. If I don't get the immediate word, I have a back and forth. Lord, does this mean this? And it's almost like the Urim and the Thummim, all right? The the black and white, the yes or no. Um, and then I'll, I'll have a feeling because I know what the presence of the Lord feels like to me. It's going to be different for everyone. And so I can kind of question and go back and forth. All right, does this mean this? No. Okay. Does this mean this? Yes. And so that's kind of the process that it looks like for me, but that could be very different for, for anyone. So there's this picture of seeing hearing, and then feeling. The other modality that's well-known within the charismatic community would be a knower. And knowers are people that just have an insight and understanding. They just feel or sense it. Like, to them, it's just a given. Like, they just know. And they can't tell you how they know. They didn't necessarily feel it or um, think it or hear it. They just know. And so, to me, that's the hardest to explain. Right. There there are many instances where you could be in a situation and you just, you understand exactly what's going on in the room. You know exactly what's going on in someone's heart, someone's mind, and the Lord's just relating that information. There's also, and, and the, the last time this happened to me, charismatic people would say something kind of like a download. And what download means is that I just got three paragraphs of information in a twinkle of an eye. Yeah. Like I just got this. So let me explain to you what God just showed me. And for me to explain it to you, it, it took me long to figure hear. to hear to receive to receive yep. it took me a split second to receive but for me to audibly five minutes to reiterate what it would just download it 
Exactly. It would take me paragraphs to explain to you everything that I just received. Mm -hmm. So the last time this happened to me, there was a young man and I just had a knowing about him. And so I just talked to him and I said, I believe that this is what you're like and this is what your family is like and this is how you think and this and this and this. And him and his girlfriend just started giggling at me. And I said, and I, because I just kept going and I, I finally stopped and I said, is this resonating with you as true or are you giggling because I'm just so far off? And they're like, no, it's definitely true. <laughs> and so then I just kept going. Get on. And so at the end of it, he was so blown away. And so then I started asking him some questions. I said, would your closest friends even be able to tell you the things I just told you about your thought life? And he was like, no. And I said, that's because it came from God. Mm-hmm. God knows you intimately. He loves you and he cares about you. He was so blown away and knocked off his feet. These are the perfect times to lead someone to the Lord. Absolutely. It's through this encounter, this supernatural encounter, that that you're letting them know that they're known, that they're loved, and that they're being pursued by God. That's why people call it the full gospel. It's not because you speak in tongues. The full gospel means that that people that believe the full gospel believe that he's going to confirm the truth of the gospel coupled with a supernatural sign to confirm its truth yes a supernatural expression and it's going to draw you to the one true god the way that this can operate in a very healthy community and not just individually is whenever a group of people get together and pray and they seek the lord and we've seen this where one person will stand up and they will read a bible verse and someone across the room will have that same verse opened in their bible already with their finger pointing to it and as soon as that person reads it this person says my spirit resonates with yours it's uh, the exact same thing came to my heart and mind exactly and so then they'll say i have this verse open and then they'll you know they'll read it and then maybe someone else will stand up and say i have a word or an application for that like maybe a knower stands up and, and says this is what i feel like god is wanting to do with that verse mm-hmm. and it'll just bounce around the room and you'll totally be able to tell so when a good the Lord's example moving. recently for us is during our time of elder prayer, I had, while everyone was praying, I, I kept getting these pictures in my mind, and I'm going, okay, well, what does this all represent? And one of them, I, the last picture I got in my mind was a warthog uh, aircraft. It's If you know anything about the military, it is like the go-to terrifying airplane that we use all the time, especially in the Middle East, and it just strikes terror. When they hear that plane coming, it strikes, strikes terror into the heart of the enemy. And I immediately got this picture of bombs being dropped over like airstrips and like just destroying the capability of the enemy to retaliate. So I, I, I had a good, strong interpretation of what all of that represented. And so earlier that week, I, during my journaling time with the Lord, he had reminded me of the verse that our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for pulling down strongholds. And so that was a confirmation that was connected to that picture that at the time I hadn't even realized until I went back and looked at my journaling that that was in there. And the next morning in our prophetic class, we were seeking the Lord and just seeing how he wanted to move in our church. And one person got a word from the Lord and the word was pilot. And she didn't necessarily have the whole picture and know. But everyone who was in prayer with us um, the previous day just kind of giggled when this person related related the picture of a pilot, that word pilot that came to their mind. And everyone's like, okay, we know what that means. Like, that's perfect. Even though no one else knew what that meant. But everyone who was privy 
to the prayer and the kind of picture I had in my mind and interpretation really related to, okay, the Lord is striking down the enemy. Like there are tactics that we are to implement in our prayer, a warfare prayer against the enemy. The thing is, as Christians, we believe that God cares, that he intimately wants to be involved in our churches, in our lives, in our relationships. And we believe that it is so important to have a relationship with him, a communication with him, not just head knowledge, not just logic, not just studying. We see how that didn't work out for the Pharisees, but actually have an ongoing dialogue and communication with the Lord in a way that affects our walks and draws us nearer to him and also build and comforts and edifies the people around us and their walks and also draws them near him. So when you look at the prophetic word and utterance that is given within the body of Christ, say like in a church service, that picture um, we're told in 1 Corinthians 14 has two effects. To the believer, it is encouraging, it is equipping, it is edifying, it is comforting. To the non-believer, it reveals the nature of their heart. And they fall down on their face and realize God is in you of a truth. There is such a beauty, as we've been giving these examples of the non-believer going, how do you know this? No one should know this. There's no way you could know this. And you go, well, yeah, God cares about you. He loves you. And he wants you to know that he is real. Yeah, I can't tell you how many examples that I've heard of people that got a word of knowledge for someone else and they they were like hey you know i see this little boy hunkered down behind that couch crying and i see jesus with his arms wrapped around him and the person just like burst into tears and was like that's the day that my dad killed my mother while i was behind the couch you know and it's just like mind-blowing and there's no way that person could have known, but Jesus wanted that man to know I was with you and mm-hmm. you weren't alone and I care. Absolutely. So prophecy is good. It's beneficial. Yes, it. Um, there can be false prophecy. Yes, there can be unhealthiness. And that's why it's important that you're in a healthy community that's balanced, that seeks the truth, seeks the word of God, uses scripture as the plumb line isn't just going wild in and not using the scripture as a plumb line, but we just encourage you to find a healthy Christian community that's going to give you all that the Lord has intended for you to have, that's going to build you in all the ways and not just in head knowledge, but equip you to be used in powerful ways for God's kingdom. James says to draw near the Lord and he'll draw near to you and to resist the devil and he will flee. And so our prayer for you today is that you draw near the Lord, that you seek all that he has for you, that you resist the devil, that you resist um, the religious spirit or the spirit that the Pharisees had of just head knowledge and that you would really read the scriptures with an open mind for the first time asking yourself, what all did Jesus intend? What all did he want to give us with the Holy Spirit? And is this real? What can it look like? And how can it be beneficial to me and those around me and my connection with God? So if this podcast has blessed you by giving you a deeper understanding of who God is and has helped you grow in your relationship with him, we would like you to share with your friends who would benefit from these conversations. And also, if there is a particular topic you would like Jenny or me to discuss, let us know by visiting our landing page, Delve with us dot info and dropping us an email until next time we bless you to walk in spirit and in truth